So we're going to read together. It is going to be on the screen behind me, but it's always a good thing to have the scripture in front of you where you can mark it up, underline, take notes, um, you know, where you can really engage in with what God is speaking through his scripture and, and through his, his mouthpiece, which I happen to be tonight. We recognize when we preach, it's not based on our own intellect or our ability to make you laugh or to make you feel emotions or anything like that. Uh, but we stand up here with expectation that God is going to speak through us. And before I read this, because uh, we forgot this earlier, there's going to be some clipboards passing around uh, and that's for water baptisms. We're going to be baptizing people in our, in our worship service next weekend. If you've never been baptized before, we want to uh, recommend that you do that. We want to encourage you to get baptized. So if you're interested in water baptism, sign up on that sheet that's, that's going around in front of you. So Joshua chapter 1, are you all with me? Yes, all right. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Somebody said assistant. assistant. Joshua is just an assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Hey, the old things have passed away. It's your turn to pick up the torch. Stand up and let's get moving. Arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness uh, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. That's the promise. I will not leave you or forsake you. That's the promise. And every promise uh, leads to a response. And the response to God's promise of his presence is a commitment to be strong and courageous, which is exactly his command. I will not leave you or forsake you. So verse six, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, uh, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's a good scripture right there, isn't it? Why don't we pray together one last time and... Just uh, formally invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. For every person that's here tonight, every person that's listening on the radio and online, together we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us. That you would open up your word, and through the power of your spirit, that you would make your word come alive inside of us, that you would challenge us that you would transform us, that you would do inside of us 
what only a supernatural God can do. To you, God, we commit our heart and our minds, our emotions, and all that we are in these moments. Have your way. Build your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, people love great stories of leadership, don't they? Uh, There's something about, like, leadership stories that move us, and you see movies about leadership. And um, I think about some of the great leaders throughout history. And, uh, you know, in American history, there's a few names that come to mind. There's, there's this one guy, his name was Howard. And uh, you may not know Howard personally, but you've definitely tasted of Howard's fruits. You know, he had this vision to take uh, this, this drink that up at this point was kind of just Folgers, you know, the best part of waking up in the morning is Folgers in your cup. And he thought, no, I want to make, make coffee special, and I want to make coffee an experience. And so the guy by the name of Howard Schultz decided, I'm going to start a coffee company, and my vision is that coffee will be all over this planet. And indeed, today, Starbucks is on every single corner. And it's crazy because, like, literally, you could have a Starbucks on this corner and a Starbucks on that corner, and they're just everywhere, aren't they? But this is what's so intriguing about Howard and Starbucks is that uh, the story goes that 217 of the 242 people that he asked to invest in Starbucks rejected him. But he persisted. He was a leader, and he moved forward with a vision that was in his heart. And you know what? Thank God, because if it wasn't for Howard, how would we know what a good co- cup of coffee ta- really tastes like? You know, I mean, and by that, what I really mean is like you taste the, your coffee, and then you compare it to Starbucks, and you know that your coffee's good. Yeah. Right, I'm, just I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Starbucks is great. Starbucks is great. But you know, Howard, great leader. Or how about? How about this guy named Ray? He had this vision that he would, he would make hamburgers really quickly and uh, for everybody to eat, and he'd sell them for 15 cents, and his company blew up. And now, you know, there's a McDonald's next to every single Starbucks all across this whole planet. And hey, if it wasn't for Ray and Joan, how would we know what a good hamburger tastes like? Am I right? Okay, I'm wrong. Uh, that's the place that none of you admit that you go, but you all love their French fries. Hallelujah for McDonald's. There was a man named Steve. Steve was a jerk to everybody that he came in contact with. I kid you not, the story goes that he would go into his business and he would yell at his employees and tell them uh, that all of their ideas were absolute garbage until they weren't. And Steve went on to, uh, you know, grow this little tiny tech company out of nothing to become the empire known as Apple today. And Steve Jobs was a jerk to everybody that he came in contact with, but he was a leader that led towards products that every single one of us have been impacted by. And we really do know what a good cell phone is because of Steve Jobs. Am I right, Summer? <laughs> Here's the thing, though, about all those leadership stories. We think about those stories, and we think about, wow, Howard Schultz, and man, what would it have taken to to persist even though 200 people turned him down? I I get rejected by two people, and I want to quit whatever I'm working on. But he kept going. 217 people, okay, I'll go to 218. And he just kept going, and he, he transformed this world. But as great and as amazing as those stories of, of leadership are, They were just about products. 
We can get inspired to a degree, but those leadership stories really are about transforming this world through a product. The stories that we really get excited about are the stories of people that transform people, not just products. I mean, if you, th if you think about great leaders like Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, these are people that through their, their heart and their strive and their leadership didn't just come up with a product that was gonna make your life better, but it literally, they led for freedom for people. And it's those kind of stories that move us in the depths of our being. And I think it's because we know that we were created to lead in a way that not only do we create things in this life that will someday burn, but that our leadership and our actions and what we work for will actually cause some people to move forward and accomplish great things. This is the type of leader that Joshua was. This is why we get so excited when we read Joshua chapter one, because he moved in a way that, that didn't just do something in this world, he did something for the people of this world to obtain the promise and the purposes of God. And I believe that that's the call that you and I have on our life. You know, I've heard it said many times, and I don't know if you've heard this term before, but I've heard preachers use this term at, at youth camps and conferences, and so it's, it's always stood out in my mind. I've heard preachers that really just get into it and say, you're a Joshua generation. And I was like, whoa, I am? A Joshua, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I think that people say that for two reasons. They, they wanna teach that what Joshua did is what we're called to do. That is that Joshua's job to lead people into God's promise and purpose is what we are supposed to do. And so they get really excited and they preach this, you're a Joshua generation and you need to know that your job is to lead people into the promised land. And secondly, they say it really passionately because they know that you and I need to be motivated to actually do something. And so that's my hope, my prayer tonight, is that you will learn something, that there will be some teaching, but that the Spirit, not just my, my yelling and my spitting, but that the Spirit would actually motivate you to be the person that God called you to be. Because you are a Joshua generation. You are called to be a Joshua kind of leader. You're called to do more than just work for money or build things. You're called to build people and to lead them into God's promise and purpose for their life. And so let's take a look at this uh, so we can see what that really means because that, you know, that term, like if you don't know the story, Joshua generation, great, but what does that really mean? So this is where we find ourselves here at the beginning of, of Joshua chapter one. God came and he, he introduced himself to this people group, in particular the person of Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I am gonna bless all of the nations of this world through you. I'm gonna make you a blessing so that you will be a blessing. And so God began this relationship with Abraham and his family 
family, and through a, a whole series of events, which is a different sermon, uh, God's people wound up in slavery in the land of Egypt. And you probably have heard this story before and the way that it goes. And so they, they started to hate the situation that they were in, and they started to cry out to God, like you've probably done that before when things are going really well in life. Typically, we just forget about God, but when things are going really poorly in life, we cry out to God. And what we need to do is remember the good God, even when times are good, because he's the one that brought us to the good places and cry out to him just as much in the good times as we do in the bad times. But I guess that's for free. Uh, they were in a bad time and they cried out to God. And so God did what God does. And he sends a savior, as it were, by the name of Moses. And you probably know the story. So God sends Moses in, and by a great working of his hand in miracles, Moses leads this people out of Egypt towards God's promise and God's purpose. And I saw somebody once did a calculation, and they said if you took the average speed of a human walking, it would have taken about six days to walk from Egypt to the promised land, but it happened to take them about 40 years. But... Even before we get to the part where uh, they caused themselves to wander around for 40 years, God didn't take them in this straight path the way that you would assume. Like, if you're anything like me, my wife hates driving with me because I'm like, no, go left, go left, because I, I, like, I, want, I want the shortest route every time. Anybody else like that? I mean, I'm just, I can't stand wasting a second, which doesn't make sense because then I'll go and like watch 18 hours of Netflix, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Binge watching, yeah. Okay, so God didn't take him like the logical way. He first took him down and then made him cross the Red Sea, which doesn't really make any sense unless you're a God that wants to prove that you're the one that has the ability, not man, which he is. And then even by the time they come up around the first time, they were on the east side of the Jordan and you know he sent spies in. And so this is where we find ourselves here at the beginning. Uh, they, they wander around for 40 years because they didn't trust the promise of God. And so all of the doubts literally died off. You know, God makes promises to us and he invites us to trust in him. And one way or another, he'll probably get us to the destination that he wants us. It's just a matter of whether we're gonna waste 40 years doubting him or not. His promise really never changes. His purpose for you never changes. It's just whether or not we're gonna choose to be obedient and trust in him. And so this is what happened is that all of the doubts literally died off and they wandered around for 40 years. And Joshua was the man that was gonna finally take that first step into the Jordan River and to lead God's people into God's promise. And so there's a few things that I wanna just uh, make note of about what we see about a Joshua leader if we're really gonna be a Joshua generation. Verse one, we see that it was the Lord who said to Joshua, you know, man will recognize the leadership that you have on you, but it's God who ordains it. And that's what happened in Joshua's life, is that he didn't, he didn't just take this leadership on his own accord. He didn't, he didn't push Moses out of the way and say, hey, it's my turn. I'm the young buck. I should be in this position because I have gifts, skills, and abilities. No, no, no. He waited his turn, and he waited until God called him up to the position. Wow. 
And it was, it was uh, men and women who recognized the calling that was on Joshua, but the calling that was on Joshua was given to him by God. In verse 2 and 3, we see that God was giving the land. Get this. You need to see this. God says, I am giving the land to them. And then a few moments later, he says, arise, go over the land that I'm giving to them. Every place that your foot treads, you shall take. So God was giving the land to them, but he was giving it to them through him. This is often how God works when it comes to leadership. God wants to do something for the masses, but he doesn't choose to do it through the masses. He chooses to do it through, oftentimes, an individual or a couple or a small group. I don't know why God chooses to do it this way, but he does. It's like he's inviting us to trust him through trusting a person. And God says to Joshua, every place that your foot steps I'm giving you because I'm giving them the land. So what if Joshua wouldn't have taken any steps? Would the people have gotten the land? No. He needed to move. I wonder where are the places that you're unwilling to go, but you're asking your kids to go? Has your foot stepped in every place that you want your kids to step? Every place that you want your employees to go is your foot stepping there. Are you living out what it is that you're preaching? Because if you don't, maybe you're not going to cause them to get there as well. Verse 5, the command to be strong and courageous was based on the promise of the character of God, not on the competency of competency of Joshua as a leader. He says, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So you could be strong and courageous because I'm with you. You don't need to be strong and courageous because you're so skilled, because you took, uh, you know, John Maxwell's 21 steps to being a good leader course. No, no, no. You could be strong and courageous because I'm with you. Uh, we like to quote these passages, passages all the time. You know, God will never leave you or forsake you. But do you really believe it? Do you really know that God is with you in your workplace, in your home, in your school? That's a promise of God that is not just for the person of Joshua. It's for you. God will never leave you or forsake you if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You can trust that when you obey him, you will have the ability to fulfill what he's asked you to do because the spirit is the one empowering you to do it because he'll never leave you. And so God commanded Joshua, be strong and courageous because I'm with you. You know, Jesus gave the same commandment in the end of Matthew chapter 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the promise of God, that he's always with us. Verse 6, God declares that it's for them, but he declares that Joshua is the cause you shall cause 
this people to inherit the land. I think that this addresses a a question that's relevant to us. And that's this balance of how much of ministry or my works or what I choose to do in this life, how much of the success thereof has to do with me and how much has to do with God? I think that most of us struggle with this because we find ourselves in these places in life where sometimes we just think, well, if it's going to happen, God's going to do it. And if it's not going to happen, then, well, that was God's, you know, that was, that was God. That was God's choice. And the scripture uses this term, Joshua, you shall cause this people to inherit the land. Now, here's the truth. Joshua was the cause, but not the means. Okay? So it's God that is the ability. It's God is the one that has to make it happen, but he uses man to cause it to happen. That's what he does. Listen, you might not believe that, but you've experienced that because you being in this room right now is the cause of a faithful couple 10 years ago saying, we're going to lay our life down in Vancouver where we built a house on the property that we, we love. We literally, J.O. built this home with his own hands. Am I right? Did J.O. build the house in Vancouver? Yes, he did. And this is the way that God works. Oftentimes when you set up the life, the beautiful life that you have, then he, he sends you somewhere else because he knows that he wants to use you to cause something, not just for you, but for somebody else. And so we're not, we're, there's no part of us that thinks that we're the ones uh, making anything of supernatural uh, happen, but we know that our actions help bring it about. God is the means and the power, but we oftentimes are the cause. And so when you sit back and just say, well, if God, if God wills it, maybe God's saying, no, 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 I do will it. I want you to stand up and, and put your feet in those places that I want you to take the land. Yes. Finally, he said, base your strength and your courage, your leadership and your direction on God's word. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I wonder how many places and how far, we, how, what do we do to strive to be prosperous and successful in this life? Why don't we just meditate on this book and do what this book says and then trust the promise of God that says we will be prosperous and successful. And this is what Joshua did. Joshua was a phenomenal, transformative, transformational, revolutionary leader. The type of person that you can read Joshua chapter one and think, wow. He's just like Walt Disney. <laughs> Walt Disney was, a, was a, a, a weird, crazy leader, you know? Like, can you imagine that business meeting? Okay, guys. I got a vision. I want to build a park. But not like a normal park. There's not going to be grass. There's going to be streets of gold. And we're not going to have like regular slides. 
We're going to strap people into logs and send them down a mountain so it splashes everybody else around them. <laughs> and then we're going to put grown men and women in costumes, and kids are going to love them. <laughs> and let's call it Walt Disneyland. Because it's not creepy to name a park after a grown man and invite little kids to go and play there. <laughs> Dude, seriously, you would have thought this guy was crazy. But you know what? How would we know what a good cartoon was without Walt Disney? <laughs> I don't know what, where I'm at. I just totally lost it. <laughs> Walt Disney. He's a great leader. Joshua is a great leader. But what I really wanted to share with you tonight, so often it's easy for us to look at Joshua chapter one and to look at the Starbucks empire and forget about everything that came before it. We see the Starbucks empire, but we don't, we don't really think about what it must have felt like on the 217th denial, the 217th door shut. It's easy to look at Joshua chapter one and think, wow, he is a great leader. But where did Joshua come from? In Numbers chapter 11, it says that Joshua had been Moses' assistant since his youth. Just a servant since his youth. By the way, he had been Moses' servant for at least 40 years. He had been just the errand boy and the assistant of the leader of God for 40 years before he came, became the Joshua that we all marvel after. So I want to quickly, because I don't have a ton of time, I want to quickly just uh, like brush through 40 years of history so we can like really look at what Joshua went through in order to become this great leader that we look at. Because oftentimes we see the pedestal of leadership, but we don't ever take time to look at the process of leadership. You know, and we are, we want, we want to stand on that pedestal, but we don't want to accept the process. And Joshua went through a process, as did every other great leader. And here at Heart of the City Church, we believe in process. We call it the pipeline. And I wonder, are you in it? Are you in it? This is the process that, that Joshua went through. He carried out his leader's vision. Exodus 17, so Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with, my stat, with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses told him and he fought with Amalek uh, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went on the top of the hill. This is a great characteristic. When your leader asks you to do something, even though he's not doing it and it looks like he's doing nothing, you go and do it. Because the work that Moses was doing on the hill was a mightier work than Joshua was doing in the field, but Joshua obeyed his leader and he went and he fought the fight that his leader was asking him to fight. Which leader are you serving? Or are you just serving yourself? He learned to love God and his presence from his mentor. Exodus 33. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Oh God, I, I want you to speak to me face to face. I want to be close to you, God. 
said that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And when Moses turned again and went into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Joshua went to the tent with his mentor, Moses. He learned to experience the presence of God with his mentor. And even when Moses went because he had business to attend to, Joshua would stay in the presence of God because he was desperate for it. This was his training grounds. He had his leaders back, Numbers chapter 11, and Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, my Lord Moses, stop them. What he's is, what is talking about here is, is uh, God asked Moses to, to uh, call up 70 leaders to take on the load of, excuse me, leadership responsibility that he had. And the scripture says, God said, I'm gonna take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And so what happened is that they started prophesying and, and Joshua was so uh, in, interested in his leader maintaining the place of authority that he had that he said, Moses, make them stop. And Moses said, hey, it's okay. I'm raising people up to lead in this generation. But the beautiful thing was that Joshua had his leaders back. I know that sounds simple. But we live in a culture that for whatever reason feels extreme amounts of liberty to critique and complain about our leaders. And I wonder, do you offer as much encouragement and prayer for your leaders as the scripture commands us as you do critique and complain? More than that, it's a, it's a really strong argument to bring a, a complaint and a critique if you're actually playing in the game, not just sitting on the sidelines. Joshua was in the game. Joshua was concerned about the well-being of his mentor and his leader. He was not concerned with just himself. He was concerned with somebody else. Joshua was sent Numbers 13, these are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Joshua, the son of Nun, or Hosea, Joshua. So this was back before the 40 years of wandering, Joshua, Caleb, and the 10 other guys whose names you don't remember because they didn't do anything. He sent them into the land to spy it out because God's promise was that you're gonna take this land. And they brought the good report and the 10 brought the bad report, but Joshua was sent because he was Moses' assistant. And then Joshua and Caleb, the two that brought the good report back, the two that came back with belief in the commandment of God remained in order to finally fulfill the commandment of God. One more. Joshua received his authority that was given to him. Numbers 27. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation and the people of Israel may obey. You know, there's a difference between taking authority and receiving authority. 
And we live in a world that people are trying to nudge their way to the top and bump somebody off a pedestal so they can take what they think belongs to them. When what we really need is a generation of people like Joshua who are going to serve and assist and obey in order that one day they can receive authority that's given to them instead of just trying to take something that doesn't belong to them. This is what a Joshua type leader is. Somebody that goes through the process of refinement, the process of assisting, the process of fulfilling somebody else's vision, the process of tilling somebody else's field, the process of saying yes to God when there's no recognition from the people. And when that happens, one day the people will recognize what God is giving you because it's God who's given it to you. Here at Heart of the City Church, we believe in raising up a Joshua generation, and we believe that we are called to do that from every age. If you've been around for any amount of time, you probably recognize that we have young people standing on the stage, and that's purposeful. It's because we believe, even though somebody doesn't have the gifts yet, that they have the calling in their spirit, and we're going to put them in a place that they can develop into the person that God has called them to be. Because we're going to put them in a position, we're going to cause them to step out of the boat in order that one day they can be the leaders that cause other people to inherit the promises of God. And so we invest in kids' ministry, and we put all this work into doing things like children's VBS camp, which you should, you should get your kids to go to. You should invite all the friends in your neighborhood to go to. Maybe your invitation is going to cause a family to know Jesus. I don't know. But your lack of invitation isn't going to cause anything. Oh, well, if God is going to do it, God's going to do it. No, he wants to use you to cause something. And so we invest in youth church. And by the way, I just want to brag on uh, Topher and Jamie and the rest of the team. Our youth church is literally busting at the seams. It's the biggest youth church that we've ever had at Heart of the City Church. And we got all kinds of crazy sinners coming up in here on Wednesday night. And you might be hearing stories about it. But hallelujah, God is causing some people to come to know him that don't know him. And it's good to have people that don't know him in church. Amen. Amen. Even though it might be scary and they... You know, God is doing a great work. He's great. I'm get, I'm, God is causing some gray hairs to give me some wisdom. <laughs> this is why we have one of what I think is only two or three young adult ministries in this entire city. Because we believe in raising up Joshua's, which by the way, side note, that's insane to me. You know, the statistics say, and we don't, we're not, we're not going to like buy into statistics, but the statistics say that 80 to 90% of young people leave the church or the faith or both after high school. And so why would we not invest in that generation? I don't know, which is why we're doing it. Because we need to raise up the, these young people to continue in the ways of the Lord. These are the most formative years of people's life. This is why we started an internship for people like this, because we believe that God has asked us to cause a move in them that will not end. You know, I was reflecting on my over 10 years of ministry experience, and I, I've, 
I've done a lot of different things, and for many years I was bivocational, and I've, I've worked in many different areas of the church, and I can honestly say this, that starting an internship and working in an internship has been like <laughs> the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm crying for me, not for you, don't worry. It's just been miserable for me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of joking when I say that, but I'm, I'm really actually being serious. It's, there's the most tormenting times of ministry for me has been because of the internship. <laughs> but it's worth it. Because it's always also been some of the greatest times. And as we, you know, in our times of struggle, consider just ending it, is it really worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it if we cause one person to move from the person stuck in the slavery of wandering to grabbing onto the promise and purpose of God, it's worth it. And so we do things like this. We have this pipeline because we believe in raising up Joshua's and we believe in a Joshua generation. But I believe the Joshua generation is more than just the youth and the young adults. I think if you were born in the 50s, you're called to be a Joshua. If you're born in the 60s, you're called to be a Joshua. If you're born in the 70s, well, <laughs> you're already laughing and I didn't even get to my joke. I was, I was going there, but you went there for me, thank you. No, you're called to be a Joshua. 80s, 90s, even the millennials, can you believe that? <laughs> it's easy for us to look at the, the pedestals, the positions, the leadership that somebody has and neglect to recognize or more than that, actually invest in the promise or the, the, the process of becoming that leader, of investing in the, the process of what God is doing, investing in the, the next generation, investing in your peers, investing in the next generation. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be somebody younger than you. Are you investing in somebody else? Are you investing in the people around you? Are you allowing God to use you to cause other people to enter into the promise and purpose of God? Are you in the pipeline? I just wanna invite you to consider as we close. If you're not involved, how could you get involved? How could you actually produce something instead of just consume everything?
You don't need to do everything, but I believe with all my heart that God is asking you to do something. And even if you think you don't have the gifting or the ability or the charisma or the whatever, you have something that's better than all of that. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. So you can be strong, courageous, to lead, 